Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I am thrilled that you found me. There is power in the name of Jesus. As we journey together, we will unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one of moldable clay for the potter to transform. I hope that you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, folks will delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. If you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Now, it's important to reveal the crux or the principle of the why for Jesus's death. If we fail in this understanding, we'll fail in our Christian walk. So why did a problem exist that Jesus had to come and die for? Well, God's creation had a foundational problem. Because of the sin in the Garden of Eden, God's creation was all born sinners into a fallen world from that point forward. And this meant we were all separate separated from God because of sin. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. By ourselves we cannot become united with God. There are two masters we can choose between, God or sin. God will give us eternal life. The wages of sin is eternal death. So how did Jesus assist with solving the problem? Jesus came to earth as a human man, and yet he was perfect deity. He was the unique son of God. He stayed fully connected to God upon the earth. Thus, he never sinned and is able to bridge the gap between a holy God and sinful people. So then what was the solution? The willingness of a sinless man, Jesus, to offer up his life as a living sacrifice, to die on the cross for your sin and for mine, taking all of our wrong upon himself is what has been called the divine exchange. He took and bore all of the consequences that should have been ours, including God's judgment and our death. Now, we've addressed the problem that necessitated the need for Jesus's death and how his death would be the bridge for mankind or humanity's gap. And the divine exchange offered us the solution. So then what were the results of Jesus's death? The results are that our past, present, and future sins all fell upon Jesus. He bore the weight of our penalties. We are 100% forgiven for any wrongdoing. And thank you to Jesus, we're reconciled reconciled with God. Jesus's resurrection acts as our receipt of payment that his actions were acceptable to God. He was the propitiation or atonement for our sin, and all who believe in his finished work at the cross do have eternal life. So folks, yesterday we left off proclaiming he has risen, he's risen indeed, but let's stop and assess why Jesus had to die. We learned that Mary Magdalene was the first to the tomb who identified he is risen. And additionally, Matthew tells us that the other Mary was with her. This wasn't Mary, Jesus's mother. She could have been the wife of Clopas, who was Jesus's mom's sister, or she may have been Jesus's aunt, the mom to James and John. You remember the Sons of Thunder? Well, do you remember also that we talked about historical fact-checking? And the resurrection is a historical fact. Matthew tells us that suddenly there was a great earthquake 
because the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and set upon it. His face shone like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards shook with fear. The angel spoke to Mary, telling her not to be afraid. He said, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has been raised from the dead. I must admit that I smile when thinking about the point that the religious leaders had remembered Jesus's resurrection teachings more than his own disciples. And because of his claims, they were almost more afraid of Jesus after his death than when he was alive. Every precaution has been made for his body to remain in the tomb. What had these precautions been? Well, the tomb had been thoroughly sealed and guarded. The tomb had been hewn out of rock in the side of a hill, and this meant that there was only one entrance in. The tomb had been sealed by stringing a cord across the entrance of the stone from one end to the other, and the stone then blocked the tomb's entrance. Each end was sealed with clay. And the religious leaders took even more precautions, asking that guards be placed at the tomb's entrance. With all of these precautions in place, the only way for the tomb to be empty was if Jesus was raised from the dead. The Pharisees failed to understand that no rock, no seal, no Roman guard or army could or would prevent the Son of God from rising again. The angel that announces the good news of the resurrection to Mary had four specific messages. Number one, don't be afraid. The reality of the resurrection is one of joy, not fear. When we're afraid, we need only to remember the empty tomb. Number two, he isn't here. Jesus isn't dead and he isn't to be looked for among the dead. He's among the living with his people. Number three, come see. The woman could check the evidence themselves. The tomb was empty then and it's empty today. Number four, go quickly and tell. They were to spread the joy of the resurrection and we too are commissioned to spread the joy of the gospel resurrection. So Jesus's resurrection is the key to the Christian faith. Why, you might ask? Well, just as he promised he rose from the dead, therefore we can be confident he will accomplish all that he has promised. The resurrection shows us that the living Christ is the ruler of God's eternal kingdom. We learn death is not the end. We have a future life. The power that brought Jesus back to life is available to us to bring our spiritually dead selves back to life. And finally, the resurrection is the basis for the church's witness to the world. Jesus is more than a human leader. He is the Son of God. So let me ask you a silly question, yet one that's worth asking under these circumstances. Have you ever known anyone who was able to predict their death and resurrection only to then accomplish it? Me neither. Like all incredible feats, there are always some people who don't want to believe in the truth. And sometimes these very people are known as conspiracists, but not always. So there are some arguments for a proposed explanation for the empty tomb. Argument number one states Jesus had been unconscious and later revived. But there's evidence against that against these arguments. And the evidence that is against that explanation would be that a Roman soldier told Pilate that Jesus was dead. 
Mark chapter 15 verses 44 and 45 tells us that Pilate couldn't believe that Jesus was already dead. So he called for the Roman military officer in charge and asked him. The officer confirmed the fact and Pilate told Joseph he could have the body of Jesus. So Jesus's death was confirmed by a Roman military officer, Pontius Pilate, Joseph of Arimathea, the religious leaders, and the women who witnessed his burial. Jesus did experience and suffer actual physical death on the cross. Argument or evidence against that original argument number two, John chapter 19 verses 32 through through 34 state, the Roman soldiers did not break Jesus's legs because he had already died. And one of them pierced Jesus's side with a spear and blood and water flowed out. So the Roman soldiers would break the victim's legs to quicken the death process. Death on the cross was achieved by suffocation. Broken legs couldn't help a person stand up, therefore hasten the process of death. And evidence Against these explanations, number three was that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus wrapped Jesus's body and placed it in the tomb. John chapter 19 verse 39 tells us that Nicodemus brought 75 pounds of embalming ointment made from myrrh and aloes. Both Joseph and Nicodemus were secret followers of Jesus. They were afraid to make their allegiance known because of the positions they held in their community. Joseph was a leader and honored member of the Jewish high council. Nicodemus was also a member of the high council. He was the one who came to Jesus at night. He later even attempted to defend Jesus to the other council members, but both were willing to step forward and risk their reputation for Jesus's burial. Are you also an active member of the secret service? Is your faith hidden or do your family and friends know what and who you stand and kneel for? Argument number two, the woman mistakenly went to the wrong tomb. Well, evidence against that says that Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw Jesus placed in the tomb, additionally by Joseph boldly asking Pilate for Jesus' body and speaking against the religious leaders. He was now doing the right thing, while the disciples who had been publicly following Jesus all fled. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where Jesus's body was laid. These women could do little. They couldn't speak before the high council in Jesus's defense. They couldn't appeal to Pilate. They couldn't stand against the crowds. They couldn't overpower the Roman guards, but they did what they could. They stayed at the cross when the disciples had fled. They followed Jesus's body to the tomb and they prepared spices for his body. Because these women used the opportunities they had, they were the first to witness the resurrection. God blessed their devotion and diligence. As believers, we should take advantage of the opportunities we have and do what we can for Jesus instead of worrying about what we cannot do. Bringing spices to the tomb was like us bringing flowers. It was a symbol of love and respect, and the women kept the law and returned home for the Sabbath, which was from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Argument number three stated, unknown thieves stole Jesus's body. 
Evidence against that suggests on Sunday morning, Peter and John also went to the same tomb. The grave clothes were still in the shape of Jesus's head and placed about the distance it was from his body. A robber could not have tackled this feat. Peter and John were also surprised not to find Jesus in the tomb. Argument number four, the disciples stole Jesus's body. Evidence against that says the tomb was sealed and guarded by Roman soldiers. And our, the disciples, more evidence, the disciples were ready to die for their faith. Stealing Jesus's body would have been admitting that their faith was meaningless. And our fifth and final argument suggests the religious leaders stole Jesus's body to produce it later. Evidence against that says that if the religious leaders would have taken Jesus's body, they would have produced it to stop the rumors of his resurrection. So as Jesus's followers, we must proclaim the reality of the resurrection. Jesus keeps his promises. Jesus is not just a hope or a dream. His followers have the assurance that we also will be resurrected. The Holy Spirit helps change us and grows us up. Jesus's resurrection is an actionable life that taught invaluable lessons, ending with the proclamation and demonstration of God raising Jesus from the dead, giving him and us victory over death and eternal life forevermore. It's been recorded in history that more than 500 witnesses saw Jesus resurrected. Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 14, verse 28, but after I'm raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. The angel gives the same message to Mary, telling her to go and tell the disciples, including Peter, Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. If you recall, Galilee is where Jesus had called most of his disciples to follow him. He said they would be fishers of men. This is where Jesus would appear to seven of his disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. Most of us remember the story of Simon Peter and others going fishing at night and catching a zero-sum amount of fish. At dawn, as Jesus stood on the beach, he called out to them, Friends, have you caught any fish? The disciples couldn't see who had asked the question. They replied, No. Jesus tells them to throw out their net on the right-hand side of the boat and they'll get plenty of fish. And sure enough, their spoil was a net breaker. They would drag in 153 large fish upon the shore and they all had breakfast with Jesus afterwards. So who all did Jesus resurrect then? Or who all did see Jesus's resurrection? Before answering this question, what made Jesus's resurrection body unique? After all, he had been raised, he had raised Lazarus and others from the dead. Did their bodies share in the same elements? No. True, Lazarus and others were raised from the dead in a flesh and blood body like he held before they had died. Their bodies were subject to the laws of nature as before their deaths. Jesus was able to appear in a locked room in Jerusalem where his disciples were meeting, defying these laws of nature because he was eternal. Yet Jesus was not a ghost nor an apparition because he was able to be touched and he could eat. He was not a disembodied spirit. And Luke tells us that Jesus spent 40 days on earth post-resurrection prior to his ascension back into heaven. 
His first was to Mary Magdalene and the other women at the tomb. Luke 24 verse 34 says, The Lord is really risen. He appeared to Peter. And Jesus appeared to Peter and had been concerned for him because Peter felt completely unworthy after denying the Lord. And Paul documents the people of the instruction of the resurrection. In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul records that Jesus was seen by Peter and then the 12 apostles and more than 500 Christian believers, most who were still alive when Paul wrote that, and although some had died. James, Jesus' half-brother, and all the apostles, and finally Paul himself saw him as well. So Christianity, Christianity's basis rests within the resurrection. Credible witnesses did see him. Those who did see the risen Christ turned our world upside down. Most of them also died for being his believers. These people were committed, not half-hearted in their beliefs. And two travelers on the road to Emmaus were walking from Jerusalem back to Emmaus. A stranger joined them, and during dinner in Emmaus, Jesus revealed himself to them and then disappeared. They immediately returned to Jerusalem to tell the disciples the good news that Jesus was alive. So which camp are you in, folks? Are you in Jesus's camp or another? And friends, Today, if you want to become a child of God and spend eternity in heaven, not somewhere else, then I invite you to pray this prayer of invitation to our Lord Jesus Christ. Simply repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe your blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sin of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you and get into a good Bible-based church to surround yourself with other believers. And now let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision you have ever made. Congratulations and God bless you. And one of Priest Aaron's contributions he left for us is this benediction. As you go out into the world, allow me to pray this blessing over you from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk podcast will air on Wednesdays. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus' unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, how to be joyful, and what love in action looks like, and many more. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on a podcast of adventure and exploration of life together. So please join me. And if you like this podcast, make sure to like and subscribe so you'll get the latest episodes when they become available. Much of today's podcast was referencing my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or interesting, you can pick up a copy of the book from my website at pampastorcopywriting.com or at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. 
And if you're unable to afford a copy, please write to me and I will find a way to get a free copy into your hands. If you know anyone who may be interested in this material, please share a copy with them too. Until next time, be blessed. And remember, Palm Sunday is April the 2nd. Passover begins on April the 5th. Maundy Thursday is April 6th. Good Friday is April 7th. And he has risen Resurrection Sunday. Easter Sunday is April the 9th. God bless.